Whether you're relaxing in your quarantine train car or a leper colony, there's a chance that a Black Ops team can charge in and bust up the party at any moment. That's why insurance is so important. And that's why this week's episode of The Bloom Files is brought to you by GEICO. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's Geico.com. The truth is out there. And here, who knows, but either way, we are opening up the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps like a mysterious train car. We are looking into the X-Files on a first watch slash rewatch basis. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here to get into another two-parter that literally goes off the rails in Nisei and 731 episodes 9 and 10 of season 3 of the X-Files. And of course, I am joined here as I am Every week, I would give a hand to her, but considering how much talk we have about leprosy, I don't want it to be construed that way. Angela Bloom, Angela, how are you? Hi, doing well. Just a couple of boxcar kids here to here to make a scene. What what were the boxcar kids again? Were it they was like, like orphans? Yeah, they were like orphans living in a train boxcar. In <laughs> retrospect, very dark for children. I was going to say, was book. that more so a secret commentary about like the the uh, welfare system within America? It's no, an allegory. I have no idea. But around like sixth or seventh grade, I went through this, maybe even earlier than that, I went through a very, very deep historical fiction phase Mm -hmm. where there was a book called skylark all other girls out there that song sure um (laughs) and also sarah plain and tall Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. think you've heard of that but like led me down a rabbit hole and i think the boxcar kids kind of fell into that because it didn't it took place in like the 40s or something oh really it took place in like depression era Yes, and they lived in a boxcar. Well, but they had hijinks. I mean, speaking of hijinks and historical basis, we're going to get into these these yeah. two episodes of The X-Files. Uh, a little bit of a shift, obviously, not only from the Clyde Bruckman variety, but I feel like we're going back to sort of like the action thriller route for the first time very since the whole so. Dwayne Barry arc. Uh, I very much got the sense, especially essentially when we get speed in yes. the form of the train car in the second <laughs> well episode. and did you know that david duchovny did his own stunts in this episode i saw that yeah ex- <laughs> wild ex- except i believe i don't know if he was the one who did the whole hop on the train car thing. i think he did i think that's really? what they're insisting well, they, I, I read that. i i read that it took like six weeks to film that so maybe that's why it's yeah like, all right we gotta make sure we don't break the merchandise yeah. Well, and I will right off the top here, you know, put out a little warning to anybody who is listening, may have sensitivities to historical things around genocide, around Mm -hmm. experimentation, around that sort of stuff. That is big part of this episode. So if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, just up front, you know, skip this week. Yeah, it's interesting because it really is like thematically 
the sequel quite literally mm-hmm. to Paperclip. Yes. But from, uh, again, like a, a cinematography or a pacing perspective, it is the sequel to the, what was that episode? Ascension, I think specifically yeah. is the middle episode of that arc where well, we have the, the gondola hopping. Yeah. And I think that Chris Carter's like on the record by saying that he very much so pulled from like the truths of our very dark historical mm-hmm. pasts to make this television show. So with Paperclip, you know, he's pulling from, uh, more of the German Nazi war criminal side. And with Nisei, which is this one, he's pulling from the Japanese point of view. So there's a lot um, in here, but it, it all ties together. And I think, I mean, I'll, I'll be upfront and say <laughs> that this was never going to be my favorite arc to talk about. I it, even what rewatching this with you, which up until this point, I've found to be very fun and, you know, has kept me like um, riveted to the television. I was a little bored. It, it's maybe I've just seen it too much. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll admit. I think we talked about this actually in person. That like the first episode in particular. I don't know. I guess super just, slow. I guess yeah. It's just the way it was plotted for me. It much, it very much was like a train, right? Where like it had to really right. ramp up to really get going at those high speeds. And I feel like right. Nisei did a lot of like setting up with all these mystery loose ends yeah. that all purposely get tied together in 731. I know that it was talked about behind the scenes that like this was initially intended to be yeah. one episode. And then they basically said, okay, for a myriad of reasons, including filming a lot of stuff on a freaking train, we're going to have to build this out into a two-parter for budgetary reasons, and they bumped it back later in the season. Which I totally get. I just think from a perspective of the story, you can tell it's stretched a little bit, um, especially watching the first half. Um, Either way, I I do think it's uh, it's a fun arc. I think that there are the reason I wanted us to watch this is because things happen that like we need to know about. I mean, it's a game changing episode, or is it? We'll get into it. (laughs) Um, But especially the stuff revolving Scully and the microchip and the stuff and Mufon. You love saying that Mufon Betty. Mufon Betty. (laughs) Oh yikes, Um, Betty Hagopian. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, so they. There's a lot of stuff that happens, whether or not it all happens at a pace that I enjoy or not, is neither here nor there. All right. Well, let's get into this episode. Nisei, which I believe the, obviously the 731 is going to be name checked in the second episode. Nisei, I don't believe is mentioned in the first episode, but I believe the title is a Japanese term that basically refers to like a son or daughter of a Japanese couple that is born outside of Japan. Correct. Yeah. So like first generation has a kid and that kid is a Nisei. Right. And I guess this is not, this is less literal and more so thematic. Yes. Of like, okay, the Japanese were working on this thing outside of Japan and these are the children of that experience. Right. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to actually do with like generational immigration from Japan. Well, we start things off here. Our cold open takes place in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're going a lot through like, the Midwest slash like pseudo it's Southern X Files. We bounce around that United States, baby. Yeah, exactly. We go cross country <laughs> here. It's a quaint town. Kids yeah. are riding their bikes. A train is is driving by, but all is not is what it seems. No, Angela, because we see a train car get decoupled, left behind, and there's like some sort of odd smoke billowing from it when you you know the breaking bad fan in you makes you wonder are they cooking something in there and i mean something's cooking in there what's cooking is an autopsy well i do think that they're you're meant to think that that is the train car that the autopsy happened in and that they like they got rid of the evidence after the fact type Mm -hmm. thing yeah so we see that like there's a little bit of a shift change i think right like you have one guy get out of the car and a few go in (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it's very regimented as far as timekeeping. <laughs> and we, we find out that there are these Japanese men that are doing surgery on whatever this is, whatever it is, they're, they're trying to like siphon green blood into it. Yes. These surgical masks, I feel like in a 2021 lens, Jarring. are very interesting. I mean, they seem they incredibly look, effective. Yeah, they actually look really good. I was like, oh, I want one, which is so upsetting. <laughs> no, I mean, I <laughs> on so many levels. I think technology since then, like I think the N95 mask mm-hmm. probably have a similar filtering capability instead of having to tape like what looks like a dish sponge around <laughs> yeah. the at the edge they of looked mask. very like futuristic and they also looked very in line with like japanese streamlined aesthetic like mm-hmm. i feel like the japanese aesthetic especially like from a um from like a fashion point of view and like a household like it's all minimalist and right. i Love it. Big fan. <laughs> so after the credits, uh, we end up here with Mulder and Scully. And this all happens, Angela. This all gets kicked into gear because Mulder answers a magazine ad. Yeah. I feel like he's just constantly buying alien autopsy videos. He's just like, yeah, okay, we'll try it out. Like, so he's just, like Does he watching, have a budget? Because well, he's watching his late night television like he usually does. Yeah. And probably with the stuff he's watching with like these late night B-movie mm-hmm, sci-fi films. Mm-hmm. They, and naturally caters to the market of... Do you want to see an alien autopsy that the government won't let you watch? Pay twenty nine ninety five plus shipping. Yeah, I bet he has like a set budget aside, like even if it's not FBI budget, his own budget that like goes towards these kind of things. Yeah, and in a fun little uh, meta call out here because Scully, <laughs> I, hate, basically, I hate when they do Scully this. Scully basically says like, "Oh, this is one of those stupidly staged alien autopsies, like they show on the Fox Network. The Simpsons does this a lot, and mm-hmm. I mean, Fox is going to uh, end up they they'd aired it beforehand, but actually the day after." After this episode aired, apparently they re-aired. Of course, that they alien did. Autopsy video. That's shocking to me. Not <laughs> <laughs> so. Obviously, we're really going to like cement here in these two episodes. We're back in the Scully, the skeptic, Mulder, the believer roles. Even after everything that happened with the, with the paperclip stuff and the vaccine yeah, records, it's, and it's not even that she's a skeptic. She just is not in the same vein as him where she needs proof you know she's like i don't mm-hmm. she said i don't not believe no, no proof no pudding if you're scully yeah but he says why don't you believe and she was like no i believe i just need more than that like i need yeah. proof that's what she basically says like we all we i believe but i think our our uh spectrums of belief are on different <laughs> yeah. levels right like yeah. you have a super six inch wide spectrum of belief mine is like six feet yeah she's basically like i it's easy for you it's not easy for me i'm a scientist i need a little bit more than that so um this video is trash <laughs> yeah so it turns out that you know Mulder says oh well this video came from a guy in allentown who pulled this video off a satellite dish of course that makes our ears perk up because you and i both went to college and fell in love in allentown we did um i fell in love in allentown sounds like i don't know some sort of folksy so cheesy grass um, tune yeah we both went to muhlenberg college shout out to all our, our mule heads out there <laughs> clearly a representative of our brand of being into the yeah, college i don't think they call them mule heads. i don't think they call them anything um but yeah so we we went to muhlenberg together and that's where we fell in love in allentown so when we were watching this i was like oh yeah maybe they filmed there and you were like no, no angela don't be stupid that not a long time ago they painted a gorge in vancouver <laughs> it was a good callback going to the southwest i don't think they're like you know what we're making an exception we're going to allentown baby steel city what is the song living here in allentown living here in allentown and they're killing everybody there oh god okay well, they, they go to yes. this guy's house right rat tail productions 
Yeah, the guy who basically sold the video. And how did he get the video? They're basically trying to find out, like, if it's real, if there's any, you know, because Mulder basically says when watching the video, it's the best he's ever seen. He yeah. said, this is like, this looks legit. And also, he brings up this idea of, okay, if this was staged, they would have shown too much. Almost yeah. Like when it's a fake video, they overcompensate by saying, look at how much we're showing. And yeah. ironically enough, with this video playing hard to get... Yeah, it cements in Mulder's head that this is the real deal. But yeah, so they go to uh, to get this guy who has the video or her sold the videos. But he did. He, he's dead. He's and very so dead. They find this this Japanese guy on the premises, and there's a little bit of a a chase sequence here yeah. where Mulder gets his ass kicked quite literally for a second. But I do like the effect where he had his gun, the guy kicked the gun out of his hand, and it turned out he had a gun in his ankle holster. He's finally learning yes. to double up on the weaponry. <laughs> yeah, really, especially since that's all he's got. Um, and this guy, like, yeah, he definitely knows his shit, and he's running away, and blah, blah, blah. They they do catch him, though. But he's quickly let off the hook yeah. because Skinner comes down and basically says... You gotta get rid. You gotta let this guy go. He's a diplomat. He's a diplomat. Uh, Kazuro Sakurai mm. is this guy's name, and so <laughs> I could not have told you that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of Japanese yes. names, uh, you know, going through here. And so Mulder is, of course, dismayed for the umpteenth time that the brass had to have him abandon the trail. But true to Mulder, he's not going to completely abandon it. Right? Yeah. He's going to go above uh, above Skinner's head because he's held on to the briefcase that he found on Sakurai. Yes. Exactly. Um, and they contain satellite photos. Mm-hmm. And I guess what we can assume then and, and what I've read is that the video, w- the guy who recorded the video pulled it off a satellite. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they didn't know it was being recorded. And then they had to hunt him down and kill him. Yeah. So it contains satellite photos of a boat, which uh, Mulder's going to u- utilize in the lone gunman figure out that mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a photos of like a fleet of German ships yes. who were clearly looking for something. And then the other thing that's found is a list of members of the Mutual UFO Network chapter in Allentown. What do you call that again? MUFON. The the MUFON. Well, so MUFON is another thing that is real. It's existed for over 50 years. Yes. So it's a group of people who believe they've been abducted by aliens. Yeah, which is wild to me for a number of reasons. Uh, Unfortunately... Uh, MUFON has fallen under some controversy because I, oh? I did a little bit of research. Uh, so basically, so there was the executive director, Jan Harzen, who like came to prominence in 2013 mm-hmm. when uh, basically, you know, she was like, oh, you know, as a child, I was visited by by some sort of alien. And then last year she was arrested, quote, on charges of soliciting sex from a law enforcement detective posing as a 13 year old girl. Oh, my God. So she was posing as a 13-year-old girl trying to get a cop to have sex with her. It was, it's illegal on, like, 30 different levels. Yeah, that's wild. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess if you're in MUFON and you've been abducted by aliens when you were little, maybe things are not going so well for you. And there's also talk about how, like, uh, MUFON has been involved in, like, far-right conspiracies. That makes sense to me. Uh, it's very much so... pseudoscience. I think it's a lot of unhinged people, so... Yeah, though whether, I, I would say, you know, from a portrayal perspective, the people in the episode seem relatively normal. So. Yes, because I think the well, it's a real organization, the people and the X-Files is stating that people are actually being abducted. The people in the real MUFON, we have no idea if that's, like, what's happened to them and yeah. what these stories are. I maybe mean, they were abducted, but maybe by, like, I don't know, kidnappers. I mean, this really <laughs> is a case of truth being stranger than fiction. Yeah. Or at least more perverse 
perverted. Yes. Uh, so Scully is going to, they sort of break up here, right? Yes. Where, where Mulder's going to now uh, sort of go after he the also, satellite Oh, photos. right. That's right. He finds a journal as well in the briefcase. Yes, he finds which a journal. Written, a journal, which is written in um, Japanese. Right. Uh, and then, so he's going to go check out the boat stuff while Scully is going to go after the MUFON lead. And she knocks on the door and basically finds these two people standing at the door and they say like, oh, this person, Betty, isn't home, but you look like, quote, one of us. So come on in. And I guess that they're all in Betty's house because Betty has a really rare form of cancer and was is not doing well. And like, they're all just getting together to like, I don't know, support or something. Mm. Like, it seems like they're maybe they're having a meeting, but they're all in Betty's house and she's not there. It's a little weird. Yeah, it's but, an odd like Tupperware party. Yes, exactly. It's, a, it's like a little bit of a Tupperware party. But instead of that, they're talking about how their alien abduction experiences. <laughs> so Fitzy wanted to ask, actually, in general, do you guys like it more when Moldy and Sculler? And yes, I'm quoting him directly. I did not screw that one up. Uh, do you like it more when they have dueling storylines or when they're together the whole episode? I'll defer to you first as someone who has obviously watched mm-hmm. more episodes of the X-Files than I have. Do you like them separate or do you like them together? I prefer them together, but I don't mind when they're separate as long as like it's not the whole episode. So I yeah. find that like when they're separate the entire episode, you're just sort of waiting for them to come back together and like, oh, what happened to you? Well, what happened to you? But I prefer when they're together and they have mutual experiences. Yeah, it's tough because I think there's a lot of really rich character stuff when they're separate. Yeah. For example, like the whole Dwayne Barry arc, mm-hmm. they're basically separate from. The it has time to be the kidnapped. right. It has to be the right storyline. Whereas yeah. this, I like. I I find myself very interested in the stuff that was going on with Scully because it's like tied to the main story. But the stuff with Mulder, I was like, eh. Yeah, because, I mean, they're going to be pretty much separated for, like, the rest of these two episodes, right? Yeah, and it's frustrating, too, because she keeps him in check, and he does some stupid shit when he's by himself. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get, we'll get into that. I want to go back to the, the MUFON meeting here, because this surprised me on so many levels. Yeah. It's really interesting to me that all of the members are women. I yes. think they, they describe it, right, that, that for some reason or another, maybe it's just a, a chromosomal thing that men almost have a tougher time, the abducting men have a tougher time remembering this stuff as yes. opposed to the women who yeah. seem to have more lucid memories when it comes back to them. Yeah, and they are also all, um, at one point, they hold up their little microchip, so they have taken out the microchip, mm-hmm. which... I yeah, think, they all have them in, little, in handy little vials that they shake around. How else are you going to have it? But I think that that also has something to do with it because later in the episode, they talk about how it's connected to the memory portion of the brain. That's mm-hmm. what it's inhibiting. The hippocampus, so, I can imagine. Yeah, so that's what it's inhibiting. So I think half after taking them out, they start to remember more. And it's the same with Scully. As she yeah. as she goes on in this episode, she starts having flashbacks. Right. And so I do wonder as well, we're going to find out in the second episode that this chip has uh, almost like, even from a 2021 perspective, super futuristic qualities of being able to like, you know, block neural patterns yeah. or transmit their own. Could it just be that like the, the chip was also a, a neural blocker? As well, and that removing, yeah, a little bit of both. Things. It's like a neural blocker, and then also pulling data and and r- pushing data into the brain. Yeah, but at this moment, at least the uh, the women are not necessarily faulting that. They're more so saying that Scully is quote afraid to remember her abduction. And it's an yeah, I mean, idea. come on, guys. <laughs> well, it's an interesting idea though, because I think for the first time, and again, we've skipped over episodes, so feel mm-hmm. free to correct me. It does seem like Scully has finally found someone yes. who has undergone. Not necessarily abduction, but like the exact same experience. That yeah, she yeah. I think that's, I mean, this is the first time. And they also all tell her, they also all tell her that um, they're dying of cancer. So good. <laughs> or, or that they'll eventually all die of cancer, right? That like, this is the pattern that look at Betty 
we're going to follow a similar yeah. path of getting really And some really of them safe. are further along than others. You can see some of the women have like turbans on, like clearly they're mm-hmm. losing their hair and stuff like that. So I think that that's a little freaky deaky. Yeah. So, but let's go to the boatyard, take a break from the freaky deakiness as basically Mulder's going to go to the shipyard trying to figure out, like, what's going on with this boat story. He gets some conflicting messages here where the the boat master or whatever you call him, boat boss, <laughs> the boat bas- boss, basically says, oh, yeah, the ship never stopped here. There's no record of it. And so Mulder is going to do his own little investigatory mm-hmm. work running around the shipyard. That's a lot of running. I'm not sure why he's running. running so much. It, I think they're trying to make it more action-y than it needs to be. Yeah, but, but like, why is he running in the shipyard? Like, he's not running from he's someone. He's eager. He's eager. Yeah. But basically, he finds that there's like a dry dock Yeah, like a warehouse. That is exa- that is the ship that they're looking for, the, the tilapia or whatever it's called. Tilapia. Ta- Tilapus. I'm going to call it the tilapia. Okay, the tilapia fish boat. <laughs> exactly. But Mulder comes in on very fortunate or unfortunate timing as mm-hmm. basically this, like the same black ops team that we see swarm the train car in yes. the cold open ends up swarming the bolt boat at the same time. And Mulder narrowly escapes by jumping into the water. And Spencer uh, rightfully compares this to sort of the plot armor that we saw in Fallen Angel, mm-hmm. right, where Mulder's able to break into a military camp and like just <laughs> yes. barely get caught here an entire black ops team is able to swarm this boat and not only does he get caught not get caught he like makes a very easy yeah. escape that nobody really notices but Mulder thinks that this boat is um oh wait we haven't gotten there yet this is when he goes to the warehouse yeah so oh, anyway yeah. jumps in the water yeah, because then he's going to go into the warehouse and he's going to find, again, another uh, little similar thing to Fallen Angel, a giant shadowy-like uh, thing mm-hmm. behind a curtain and people are spraying down. Very much looks like when they... A uh, craft. Yeah, exactly. When he thought they were trying to spray down an aircraft in Fallen Angel as well that, again, Scully still denies. <laughs> right, which is wild. But it's basically the same scene. There has Matt fumigating this ship. Yeah, exactly. But Mulder's going to come home and find Skinner just really awkwardly sitting in the dark. Yeah, like, how did he get in? <laughs> I mean, uh, it seems like Mulder, he needs to get the locks changed. He definitely like, does. But he doesn't live in, like, I mean, Scully has a really nice house. She's clearly put a lot of effort into her home and her life. Mulder lives in, like, a crappy apartment in, like, a high-rise. <laughs> yeah, because it seems like everyone and their mothers uh, are just getting in there willy-nilly. Yeah, maybe he just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, maybe at this point. Maybe that's why, yeah, he doesn't really have anything of importance yeah. there, because he's so paranoid Plus of a Skinner. person. Skinner. I mean, he could pick a lock. Let's be fair. That's true. But why would Skinner also sit in the dark, right? Like, was it that he wanted the ambiance for Mulder to come in and see him? Would it be too, co- too inconspicuous if he left <laughs> the lights weird. on? <laughs> I wonder how long he was sitting there, too. Hours, probably. Just hours being like, all right. He'll, Maybe he took a nap. He'll come back eventually. Yeah, what if he had just woken up from his nap? <laughs> and that's why he's like a little sleepy when he gets up. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, he's there to yell at Mulder because Mulder has um, dinner boo boo bad bad. Yeah, as per usual. Like, <laughs> A, uh, the guy I was trying to bail out is dead. We find, we actually, this is a scene that we skipped over that we see Sakurai get killed off right. by this like mysterious group of men helmed by yet another <laughs> generic white man assassin i believe he's called the red-haired man. yeah he's called the red-haired man and he i hate him i mean <laughs> at this point like why not just replace him with like Crycheck, you know or, or that or the alien bounty hunter don't worry don't worry or like the cleaner guy i feel like that we're we're just 
sort of repeating the same yeah trope over yeah and over it's again. true but i think that it, i think those characters are used if, in other episodes that they don't want to like continue to use them that's true the red-haired man is going to meet his ginger and uh mm-hmm. in the next episode but yeah skinner basically chastises Mulder, saying for the umpteenth time you have taken something that would have been vital to the investigation you withheld the briefcase Mulder reveals that actually scully has the briefcase since they broke up in allentown but Skinner basically watches his hands of the situation. He's he says, like, stop it. Just well, get out of here. Because he says this is now like a diplomatic crisis. Yeah. And so like this is something that's really above his pay grade. And so he tells Mulder essentially, you're on your own. I can't protect you. Yeah. And Mulder's like, that's fine. I have other people who can protect me. La-di-da. Like the senator who is making at least his appearance from our podcast perspective for the first time since like early season two. Yeah. Right, and I, I honestly have no idea if he appeared since then, but... Because he's, like, kind of bland. <laughs> yeah, well, also, it feels like Mulder only really goes to him when he can't go to yeah. the FBI and he can't go to X. And Senator Matheson really does seem like the last resort. Well, and X, up until this point, has washed his hands of Mulder. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Well, actually, in- Mulder, it seemed like washed his hands of X. Too, both. That was, that I think was, That both. was the breakup that we and saw. And so, I think that later they're going to, um, you know, they're going to have a little bit of a, a reconciliation and that he helps him and saves him, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, Matheson's the only one that he's got and he knows what's going on. Clearly, yeah, I mean, apparently. Math- <laughs> well, man, Matheson has, a, you know, a nap and he's not worried about bugs at this moment because he's, like, comes right out and and yeah, he's like, everything. oh, by the way, yeah, it was an autopsy. <laughs> yeah, here's a here's a like a napkin that has the names of all the so all the Japanese yeah. scientists that were killed in that video that you mentioned, and it was a uh, um connected to the alien human hybrid of it all. Exactly, monsters begetting monsters. Uh, he puts it, and so Mulder now has this is like again another rare time in these two episodes that Mulder and Scully will come together because mm-hmm. now Mulder's on this trail. He has this. Again, very much a connection to Paperclip, right? This, like, file photo of all the scientists gathering for their class photo. Yeah, because we're supposed to... 731, which we'll talk about in a second... Um, is real. I, I feel like every time we say that it's, it sounds sort of like Section 31 and it's like not too dissimilar no. from uh, the Star and Trek it, stuff. And it is real but we're supposed to understand that both Paperclip and 731 in the X-Files were not only used for scientific research and experimentation on humans but experimentation to create alien human hybrids so exactly. they're taking the real and they're they're adding this little component of not only were they doing experiments on humans but they were creating aliens yeah and they were doing some pretty nasty crap as well according to Mulder, like they were yeah. exposing pow's to the plague they were testing frostbite on infants yeah that made me really upset yeah as a, as a new mom i think that that probably hits i mean the new no new he's al- he's almost two I mean, we can't I, say I'm a new mom think, anymore. You know, I'm experienced. New and two rhyme for a reason. Okay. Anyway, it's it's like how they say, you know, oh, how after what point do you use the number of months? I feel like that's two years old. I feel like two years old. Is I've like stopped. A, I stopped at one. <laughs> it's like it's like, you don't want to do like twenty months. No, and do it's the so math. annoying. <laughs> so basically, Mulder has this photo. It turns out that the four killed scientists mm-hmm. in that video were four members of Seven Thirty One. So it seems like there's some organization we'll find out later apparently it's the nsa that has been wiping them out scully though is more fixated on one particular person yes so she recognizes somebody in the photo and she says i know that person and he's like oh maybe you recognize them from the video because he was in the video but no 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 she recognizes him from actor dr ishimaru her quote-unquote abduction dr ishimaru who we'll find out later is uh his pseudonym is dr zara i mm-hmm. believe is, is what we'll find Zama. out later. yeah in the, in the second episode but yeah she recognizes his face and begins to realize oh crap 
I think 731 might have been involved in my quote unquote abduction. Yeah. And so basically what they're what they're insinuating is that the people in that train car are part of 731 and they're continuing to do experimentation on humans, specifically alien human hybrid experimentation. So Mulder in finding all this out and also finding out what there's this existence of like a secret railroad. Yeah, where they're tra- doing these experiments in railroad cars and then transporting them places and dumping them. And it's like wild. Yeah, it's almost so that because they don't want to necessarily like leave uh, a trail in one specific place. <laughs> it's like the opposite of it's, the it's underground like, railroad. It's like driving down a highway and like throwing garbage out, right? Like you don't want to dump it all in one specific location. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's dump bodies all over the U.S. Exactly. That way you can't track them whatsoever. Uh, so as Scully finds out more about her implant, we get Mulder on the roof. Mulder on the roof. <laughs> my, my favorite musical here. As Mulder is going to go to the train yard and he finds that just in time, like he also yes. happens to have fortuitous timing as he finds that it seems like 731 is pulling some sort of like shrouded figure out of a van and putting them in a train car. Yeah. So he assumes that this group of Japanese men who are transporting something into a train car is what he's been looking for. So he's like, gotta go get on this train. Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of converging going on here as we end Nisei where Scully's going to figure out that the man from the video is one that she recognizes from her mm-hmm. abduction. Uh, we find that the the red haired guy kills yet another one of these 731 people in the train station uh, when they're trying yeah, to get so, on the train. Well, that's um, Dr. Zama's bodyguard. So oh, Dr. Zama is okay. ready to get on the train, which we're assuming that he's getting on the train so that he can like participate in this experiment. Right. But it's at a different train station. So he'll like board the train and it'll connect or whatever. So, but they kill his, the red haired man kills his bodyguard. Gotcha. So then he's forced to get on the train. Yeah. We find out the red haired man's, uh, weapon of choice seems to be like a very impressive, like piano wire connected between what looks like two metal carabiners. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Cause usually I feel like with that type of stuff, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of Austin powers where you just like wrap <laughs> yes. it around your hands or your fingers. I mean, I guess if you're doing it a lot, you well, know, the, the wear yeah, and tear on your hands. Yeah. It's like a guitar string really hurts your fingers. Yeah. But I feel like there's a better way to do it. I mean, know? also there's guns. There's guns. I, I guess, you know, maybe he doesn't want to. He wants to be creative. Make a big scene. But I do feel like the art of strangling someone. I Gotta be really good at it not I, to make a scene, I it even saying art. I feel like it takes such a long time that it feels. Not if you're good at it. Not a lot of bang for your buck. Not if you're good at it. I don't know. Maybe maybe <laughs> pull like a no country for old man and have like one of those. Uh, All right. No guns. more strangle talk. <laughs> no more strangle. That's, isn't that the subtitle of this podcast? Yes. <laughs> so as this is happening. Uh, X is going to find Scully basically being like, hey, don't let Mulder get on that train. But I guess yeah, because Scully's like trying to find him and and she's like, can't find him. So she does put the X on his window, right? No, that's going to be in the next. Oh, OK. Sorry. It's confusing. Yeah, because at this point, X was trying to find. I see. X was trying to find Mulder. I believe Scully goes to Mulder's apartment. Yes. And (laughs) she's always there. So they always Mulder, just like last time they run into each other. He says, don't get on the train. But uh, I guess to to misquote Rachel in the series finale of Friends, he got on the train. He got on the train. And that, again, is the aforementioned stunt where he basically hops on the train from a bridge, ends up accidentally ditching his cell phone. And Mulder's on the train now. Mulder's on the train now, conveniently without his cell phone. So I got to say, it's a big, like, the last few scenes are, I think, a a nice build into the second part. Even if, again, as I mentioned, the the, most of this first episode is a lot. Well, and I wonder if it has to do also with the fact that we didn't watch the previous episode. Like, it's hard, or like, there's a a gap between what we watched with Clyde Brockman, right, Mm -hmm. and this. So 
would we have felt different? Like, would, was there things leading up to this? Or it was hard to just jump in, from yeah. my opinion. So interesting fact here from Spencer uh, about this episode, mm-hmm. not 731, but Nisei in particular won two Creative Emmy Awards. That makes sense. One for sound editing and one for sound mixing. And it's interesting because apparently only 11 X-Files episodes over 200 plus episodes won an Emmy Award in any regard. We talked about one last week. With yeah, Clyde two Bruckman. of them are right next to each other in season whatever. Three. Yeah, I just find it interesting because I said maybe it doesn't speak to like, again, the overall quality of the episode, mm-hmm. but more so like the impressiveness of the technical aspects. But this is an, yeah. a technically an Emmy winning award episode of the X-Files. Yep. All right. Well, let's take a break to ruminate over the award winning success of Nisei before we jump into 731. We're going to take a quick break. Everyone retire to the caboose as we hear a word from our sponsors. Gotta go. Do you think that welcomed everyone back? (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, so now we are on the... Well, we're not on the train, actually, because we're going to jump into... No, we're not on the train. We're going to jump into 731. Another cold open. 310. Yeah, we another cold open here. It seems like a flashback? Uh, To an extent, or it's like... um, kind of sim- I don't know if it's simultaneously happening but it's present day I think. So now we're in yet another point of point of Appalachia. We are in West Virginia as they go to Hansen's disease research facility. So my understanding of this is that this this is ongoing that they just like that they were doing all of this and then when they started the NSA started taking mm-hmm. out all of the 731 people they also went and did this. Yeah, so I guess it's it's more like a large scale operation yes, of like let's exactly. tie up all the loose ends. Exactly. So they pull a um a lost reference here. Yeah, I was going to say, it's interesting. You you had pointed out, we're going to get this later with the Mass Gray, very much from the Dharma Initiative. And this week, at least the time we're recording this, mm-hmm. Josh and I are talking about Cabin Fever on Down the Hatch, which does prominently feature the Dharma Initiative Mass Grave. So yeah. lots of Mass Grave talks. Another, I guess, fun fact about that, uh, apparently the Mass Grave was had 25 masked actors, mostly children, basically, like, laying over prop bodies. Oh, my God, that's so upsetting. I am kind of low-key obsessed with the way the X-Files How do they uses- get them to sit still? I mean, I don't know, give them, maybe, like, have them do nap time or something yeah. on the body. Oh, God. But I'm kind of low-key obsessed with how the X-Files uses child actors. Like, between this, let's remember yeah, when they- work, I guess. In Paperclip, when, yeah. the, when the, a bunch of them stampeded by Scully, like, those were kids. I, I kind of so love this upsetting. idea of them being, like, all right, Billy, you just did that Juicy Juice commercial. Now get in your alien costume for this really dark and grim Friday night Fox yeah, show. Yeah, they probably just can't tell them what's going on. It's probably like in their contract. Like, it's like, I know that happens with kids. Like yeah. when they film The Exorcist, like she couldn't be there for anything mm. other than her scenes. And she didn't know what the story was. Yeah, I anything. do wonder if it's just from like a charity perspective. Because yeah. I know like going back to Lost, I know when they did The Man Behind the Curtain, like mm. the kid actors playing Ben Linus, for instance, knew about everything. And he's like, oh, it's so cool when they Yikes. when they did the mass grave stuff. So maybe it just depends on the maturity yeah, level of the Yeah, maybe, maybe. But anyway, to, to start off the, the show, they do a cold open it from the perspective of one of the residents of yeah. this. Hansen's facility. Which we'll find out later. I guess the character's name is Escalante. Never gets brought up, but I find that an an interesting name. We'll find out later that, like, 
He is not necessarily one of the experimented on, right? The whole story is that well, this, I is, think a, this he is a was. colony that, was yeah. being dis- that disguised these experiments. Right. So I imagine him and the other lepers were probably experimented on as well as the people that they brought in to experiment on, which we find out were like, um, you know, homeless or yeah. people from I- asylums, vagrants, vagrants etc. Um, uh, prisoners, stuff like that, which is awful. Um, but yeah, the POV of him is that where he's watching, um, all of the other people being taken out of yep. the facility, basically carted off. He follows them into the woods. They line them all up. Into and- the woods. <laughs> Gotta go. Um, anyway, they line them all up and then execute them, which yeah. is really it's, upset oh. me, actually. I mean, that is, it's one of the darkest things. And I'm not even like a darkly tinged comedic way like we saw in Clyde Bruckman. Like, this no, was a just straight dark. Up dark thing. I never feel comfortable watching like that kind of a scene, like whether it's, you know, this or anything else where there's an execution, because I just cannot wrap my head around the fact that like human beings could just point blank shoot another human being in line like there's a lot of evil people out there especially those that are motivated for like a bigger i don't even know if it's evil people it's like just like sheep followers people are like i was told to do this so i'm gonna do it do you think the 731 tried to turn people into sheep (laughs) potentially that might be a part of their genetic therapy so after the cold open we pick things right off with Mulder's train hopping. He yes. is able to do some impressive stunts to get actually inside the train after clinging to the roof for yeah, quite some time. Very impressive. Yeah. And then we get we continue the confrontation between X and Scully. X draws a gun on Scully basically and yeah. says, Hey, I know some stuff. There are limits to my knowledge, but I know some stuff, including who might have killed your sister but why don't you go off and like get some more intel on your implant? Yeah, because I think that she's suspicious of him. She's like, I'm not going to listen to you. And then he's like, I know things about your sister. And that kind of gives her um, a like, OK, maybe I'll listen to this guy. Mulder gets into the train. And here we see <laughs> this is the weirdest scene. Yeah. I mean, we also see probably one of the most sympathetic characters I've experienced. Oh, the yeah. Poor beleaguered conductor of <laughs> yeah. this train. He did not sign up for this. No, <laughs> this is just supposed to be a regular ass train. And they saying like, Okay, I'm an FBI agent here to bust up this genetic he experiment basically, happening well, in the back. He says to the con- conductor, he's like, I need your help. And he's like, you need my help. <laughs> I just take people's tickets. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, he says like, okay, go, let me into Zama's uh, carriage. Well, before that, he says he wants to go into the compartment. And yeah. he says he can't get him in there because it's a quarantined compartment and he has literally no control over it. So then he says, okay, fine. Show me where Zama is. They go to Zama's room He's not there, but he finds it, like you said, a gernal mm-hmm. filled with Japanese writing. I like Mulder's, why did I study French in high school? Yeah, very. Japanese was an option in like, yeah, a right? public school in the 90s. Um, but then Mulder completely throws this guy into the deep end by saying, hey, stay here. In case anyone comes back, here's an unloaded gun uh-huh. from somebody. <laughs> Wild. He goes, don't worry, it's not loaded. Yeah, uh, you're, you're okay, an, that helps. You're an action helps. star now, Mr. Yeah. Conductor. This is your either like your best day on the job or quite possibly your worst one. Yeah, poor guy. He didn't sign up for this. No, he should have just been like, go away. <laughs> so talk to me about, as Scully goes to the lab here, Agent Pendrill? Is that his Agent name? Agent Pendrill. So Agent Pendrill shows up a few times. He's not like a main character by any means, but he's somebody who will show up in the future. There'll be a few like um a few situations with him and Scully, but basically he is just like your happy go lucky sort of 
FBI science criminology yeah, so lab assistant. So he's like comparable to those people on these on these criminal he, shows, right? Very like helpful. Stays in the yes. lab and does all the CSI work. And he has like kind of like a self deprecating nature to him. So he's yeah. very like funny. And who's the who's the is the who's the character on Bones? I feel like there's one of those. Oh, there's several. CSI yeah, characters on Bones. <laughs> there's right? several like that. They go through them, but um, he's in the science lab. So he's somebody who can help her um, from a perspective of the science of it all and. Um, he also is kind of like, I don't want to say he's a crush on Scully, but like whenever it's, Scully it seems like he like try, has a rapport with her. Yeah. Whenever Scully asks him to do something, um, you know, he says yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a pretty obvious crush on her in, in a way that like, um, you know, is never going to be reciprocated. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a little bit of like puppy love, but he, it seems like he's helpful at least in this moment. Right. So he reveals some pretty disturbing things about this chip that like it mimics a neural network and could possibly like, artificially mm-hmm. replicate someone's thoughts and able to essentially read their mind wild yeah i was very confused by the science behind this because it's not real so um <laughs> i think there are components of it that they're kind of putting together but yeah they're it basically like and it's a tiny little computer chip that can read your mind and transmit that data back to the source but also control you in a way yeah I mean, it has a lot it does a lot it does a lot very w- sort of like the swiss army knife of <laughs> yeah microchips. yeah it's like when when they say something cures everything it like can't possibly do anything yeah, it's you like know a panacea microchip mm-hmm. basically but the name that pendril is able to find is like i the only thing i could get is track one shipment of this thing that was mm-hmm. shipped to west virginia under the name of dr zama yeah and also i destroyed it while i was doing that whoopsie doodle <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, it's one of those things right of mm-hmm. like maybe you had to take it apart to to really analyze yes. it and speaking of dr zama we're gonna see like one of the first and last of him as yeah, he gets uh, piano wired. Yeah, the red haired man is able to drag him into the bathroom and uh, switch on the occupied sign. People That's his go to strangling people in the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, people might think that they were uh, the noises. They might have joined like the Mile Railroad Club. It's not the yeah. Mile High Club. Is a Mile Across Club? I don't know. Bloom. <laughs> you are literally face palming me yeah. right now. <laughs> that was like I was just like I don't know. <laughs> I also like how after the commercial break and this happens, Mulder like happens upon him, and you have this poor woman being like. Oh, he's dead. And he's like, no, no, no. It's uh, just motion sickness. Which I don't get because he does this a lot whenever like um, he did this in his apartment when people were like trying to to see the old lady who shot her husband. Like everybody's yeah. very much so the jump into action policeman uh, in a public place. He really is the like, pay no attention. To <laughs> yes, the exactly. The but it's like never done in a way that seems natural. No, I mean, like he gives the worst <laughs> yeah. excuses. Because like, I think it's like too much snark. You yeah, know? I also say motion sickness does not make someone like pass out. Uh, excuse you. Have you had bad motion sickness? I mean, I have. I mean, maybe not as bad as apparently Zama's experiencing. <laughs> yeah, we both suffer from pretty bad motion sickness. Get this man some Dramamine. Stat. We're never going on a boat. No, well, definitely not after this. I don't want to end up like the tilapia <laughs> meanwhile scully's gonna go to this location that pendril's right. able to get and this is where she runs into like the spider hole full of lepers with mm-hmm. escalante yeah so this guy that we saw in the beginning escalante has been hiding himself as well as a, a couple other of the former leper colonists who i guess i mean is- they're i mean they're still current lepers Right, but they're not in, like, this facility managed by anybody anymore. So I think what happened was they basically tried to kill everyone there. They missed these guys. So they've been hiding out, and they've been, like, terrified that the NSA people are going to come back and kill them all. So they think that Scully's there to kill them, but she's not. And she kind of, like, learns their, um, you know, their story, which is that they 
were brought there as lepers, that it ran as like a leper colony for a long time. Yeah, and but, then, then, but was, then there were a bunch of other people who had yes. quote unquote deformities mm-hmm. who were being brought that were actually disguising something else yes. besides being leprous. Yes, and they looked like they had leprosy, but like were actually being experimented on. Yeah, uh, but we'll find out soon that unfortunately poor Escalante will not be no. long for this world. Uh, he gets gunned down by, you know, again, a black ops team that is like, okay, someone wants to see you. And we'll get to that in a bit. Let's go back to Mulder on the Orient Express here as uh, Mulder is going to basically (laughs) make his way to the back of the car. There's this interesting POV shot, right? Where like we see we see his eye and then we see something reflected in that eye. But we don't exactly know what it is. Exactly. And so he looks through the, the quarantine car um, and we don't know what it, what's in there yet. But he does get attacked in the moment by the red-haired man mm-hmm. in this little caboose car. And the conductor to the rescue essentially, like, locks the door to put them both in there. I guess yes. saving the rest of the train in the process Which, as well. Which, good call. Um, but he also, like, the guy is basically trying to convince the conductor that he's there to save everybody. But, like, Mulder's like, just just go. Yeah, because the red-haired yeah, man like- now is, is really revealing himself, right? He says, I work for the NSA. Mm-hmm. I'm here because there's a bomb on the train that the car we're in right now is being wired to an explosive because... If but the- doesn't he want the explosive to go off? Like, it's so confusing because he's the one that's killing all these people. Like, so what is the yeah, what's like, happening? I get the question is, like, did he want? I don't think he wanted to be in the car. I don't think he wanted to be in the car. But did he want the specimen is the question. I don't think he did. I think he's part of the like cover up. So he wanted but he wanted to probably kill the specimen. Yes. In that yes, regard. yes. So yes. yes it's your Make point. sure nobody else got so to it. your point. Maybe he wanted the the caboose to blow up. Yeah. He just didn't plan on being inside it. Yeah. So basically he says. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's Zama set up this failsafe in case he wasn't able to leave the country that he would want the evidence to blow up. As also maybe Zama's on the, on the same page there. Uh, so we're going to come back to that train car mm-hmm. many, many times. But let's step away from it briefly to see one of the syndicate members. Okay, so this guy is named, what, the First Elder, I believe? Uh, yeah, is? but he, I, okay, this is bad, but I always call him the chubby one. Yeah, well, actually, I do believe that, like, there's... He a- reminds me of the Godfather. Like, very much so, <laughs> Should like... Should we call him that? Yeah, very much so he has that, like, uh, I'm going to make you an offer you can refuse. That's a, a pitch-perfect impression. Thank you very much. But anyway, that's how he... And he always has, like, smoking a cigar and, like, he has that vibe to him, but... Yeah, because um, he's... So he's the guy that, when we saw the syndicate... Yes, he's where, always like, he sitting was, down. He was always the one at the head of the table, again, to that point about... Or in that, like, armchair. The, yeah, the godfather. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, actually, there's a... I think there was, like, a nickname for him as, like, sort of... I think, like, the overeater or something. Oh, which so, is like, awful. I mean, I didn't even want to call him the chubby one, because, like, I hate fat shaming. Well, let's but, like, call him the godfather, then. Yeah. Um, but he's like the larger of the guys and he's just very much so like a presence, but he, um, you know, is, is going to chime in here. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Spencer points out that like the title of first elder would make you assume, okay, this is the head yeah. of the syndicate, but it, it seems like our old friend Dapper Dan, the well-mannered yes. man was actually the most senior member. Yes. And I do think that there's this confusion as to w- the syndicate exists. They're all working together, but they're also all working separately without each other knowing about yeah, it's it. It's like a game of survivor, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alliance, but like they yeah. all have different motivations. Yeah. And then they're also all going to Mulder and Scully thinking they're the only ones doing that is like wild. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But essentially, uh, the Godfather has has visited Scully right now to basically be like, all right, 
I'll come clean here. Like, this is the truth about everything. Uh, You know, you talked about Ishimaru. This is the pseudonym. This guy's name is Zama. He was doing these experiments in secret, which got him in trouble. Very similar to uh, what's-his-name from Paperclip as well, the botanist guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Clumper. Yeah, exactly. And so, as Mulder and Red-Haired Guy are are talking things out, Mulder is going to get a call from Scully, who's in another one of these quarantine cars. And basically trying to, like, burst Mole's bubble. Yeah, because he's basically brought her to the car and said, this is where the experimentation was done on you. This is where the guy did it. Like, you know, and she remembers at that point. Like, she can place it all. So as she she says, there's no such thing as alien abduction. It's mm -hmm. just a happy smokescreen used to cover up the biggest lie of all, which were these human alien genetic experience. Yeah, it's not saying that aliens don't exist. It's saying that we're trying to create alien-human hybrids so that, you know, we can survive a colonization, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's super interesting. I did not expect The aliens that. don't care about us. We care about them. Right. Yeah. But I, I just, I didn't expect that. I, you know, again, I, I took sort of Scully's abduction at Faith Well, I think you're supposed to. I mean, it was an abduction, just a very different one. Not a galactic abduction, but literally like a scientific organization. Which is wild. Yeah, so then from that perspective, I guess going back to Dwayne Barry, Mm -hmm. what were they like using aliens to reach out to him? Were they themselves like putting a bug in his head to talk to him? Well, that's the thing. Did he have a chip in the back of his neck? And I think he did. But, yeah, I mean, especially if we're talking about how these chips can apparently mm -hmm. do mind control. Yeah, and so he clearly was a little bit more unhinged about it. But um, yeah. Not great. <laughs> well, so Spencer brings up something basically about how, you know, uh, this sort of not necessarily undoes, but like, you know, uh, sort of goes part and parcel with the truth bombs in the mm-hmm. season two finale uh, and you know, how the red haired man in this episode plays does play some mind games yes. with Mulder, leads him sort of back down to like, oh, but it could be alien. Uh, but, you know, he brings up that it was just too convenient that in the 100 plus minutes in the locked box car yeah. while waiting for the bomb to explode... Mulder never thought to have a chat with the test subject and find out if the person was just as verbose and eloquent as Escalante to rule out the possibility that it was an alien or make a request for the test subject to draw blood, find out if the blood was... was I always thought that the test subject wasn't alive. Like, I always thought that it was like a a dead test subject. I don't know, because when we see, we get a brief glimpse of it, right? He almost looks like a Vorta from uh, Star Trek Space Nine. I thought he was moving around. Okay, but like, not conscious. Like, I feel like if somebody was conscious, they'd be trying to escape, you know? Like, no, I feel like this is just, I don't think that would have been possible from a, like, perspective of this person, supposedly person, Mm -hmm. who is just, like, probably um, drugged up. (laughs) It could be, or maybe he's just, like, mute or something. Maybe the genetics meant he, like, maybe... If they're doing tests on him, you can't, you know, uh, you can't imagine that they would have... um, him awake like it just doesn't make any sense so i don't know i don't think that that was a possibility plus it would have just been confusing well as spencer mentions Mulder finds the bomb in the ceiling and they realize they have about an hour and 42 minutes you know a nice run of a of a film to figure out what's going on here Mulder's kind of a jackass here he figures the whole like well oh you're breaking up i here i bet i bye uh, to sense to essentially say like, oh yeah, Scully, you told me to stop the train. Oh, I can't hear you. I uh, guess I can't do it. Follow those instructions. Bye. And so he's going to take charge in this situation and basically tell the conductor, all right, I want you to reroute this train to like the most secluded area you know and abandon this car. He is now taking the sacrificial route yeah. of I. This thing is probably going to blow up, and I don't want anyone around it if and when it does. Yeah, not good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so, I mean, I don't know. At this point, do you think Mulder feels like he's going to figure something out? Or do you think at this point he just fears, 
all right, I'm going to blow well, up anyway. Might as well save some people along the way. I don't think Mulder's one person, somebody who would ever give up. So I think that for him, he's just like, let me see how much information I can get. I still have Scully on the phone. Let's see what we can do. Right. And he's going to he's going to be a little torturous here. Right. He he like beats up the NSA agent and then says, you want to know the most painful way to die is a bullet in the gut. But I might accidentally aim a little lawyer impl- implying what he's going to like shoot him in his penis. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I might, like, don't tell me I what's going on or I'll shoot you in the groin. Yeah, because the groin is not some place that's, like, probably vital. You know, you can get shot in the groin, you can get shot in the shoulder blade, you can get shot in all these places and, like, just bleed out. You wouldn't die instantly, is what he's saying. Yeah, I guess that's true. But if you get shot in the stomach, chances are you might actually die pretty quickly. Yeah, but he's essentially saying, like, uh, or no, it seems like more more over time. And I, maybe you'll bleed out and die with a shot to your groin, but it almost seems... Well, yeah, that's what he's well. saying. It would be like, he would be masculating and painful. Exactly. <laughs> the two worst adjectives to describe a person's death. And so the NSA agent (laughs) is going to come out here and give, quote unquote, the truth in that he says that this specimen is actually a weapon Mm -hmm. that Zama, one of the the reasons behind his genetic therapy is that he wanted to create someone who could be immune to an atomic bomb. Yeah, which is specifically immune to radiation poisoning, as well as a bunch of different diseases that could be, you know, like put you know, into the world, like biological warfare, that kind of stuff. Right. So, so essentially, like, make him a weapon. Yes. Someone who can, essentially a human cockroach. Yeah. Can survive yeah. All of that. Yeah. Which is not, uh, it's kind of like a, it's weird, but it's, it makes sense. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense from, again, from a Japanese perspective, yeah. especially considering that 731 was, it's a similar thing with Paperclip, mm-hmm. right? That, like, these were Japanese scientists who were brought, brought in under amnesty to, to work on scientific experiments. It would make sense that an embittered Japanese yeah. scientist from the 40s would obviously have a little bit of an axe to grind against the country that bombed their country. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes uh, makes sense. Unfortunate, but... <laughs> so Scully is trying to, like, very fervently figure out how to get to Mulder. Yeah. He tries to call Matheson. Matheson is MIA. Yeah, which is weird. We don't know yet what's happening yeah, to him. They, they say that his aide said that he's out of the country. I think maybe that means he's a... Uh, I don't know. Dead or something? Dead, exactly, like, out of this life. <laughs> I forget about uh, him. Perhaps, but he's not here. She's going to signal X, which ends up, ironically enough, I think, I don't know, I don't know if the signal, if, does that signal to X work? Work. Yes. So you think so? I think to an extent. So I think that it's a combination of it working, but also him already be track, been tracking Mulder. Okay, so it was more so just like one plus one equals two. And I, I think, and this is something that I don't think is written anywhere or proven anything, but I think that X is one of the people maybe sent to go get the specimen that, so that's what the implication is yeah. so that's why i asked the question is because i'm imagining whoever sent him to go get the specimen he happens to find Mulder there yeah and because, is like okay which one do i choose exactly yes and i do think that he makes the choice to save Mulder because he sees more value in that so in i don't human so, life so in that point did, did scully really do anything <laughs> Yeah, I think to an extent she did. I think that she alerted him to the whole situation. I mean, he was probably already tracking Mulder, but, you know, maybe she pumped it up a little bit. Well, I think where Scully comes in much more handy is she ends up watching the video back for the umpteenth time Mm -hmm. and notices... Hey, I can I can see what the code is based on what this guy is punching in. So we get a very little, impressive. <laughs> we get a little bit of like a, a you know a, a heightened sequence, right, where she's dictating the code. Mm-hmm. She guesses on the last digit, and Mulder gets his twenty nine ninety five yes. plus shipping worth. Finally, he's finally able, he's able to unlock the compartment 
just in time for the red-haired man to knock him out mm-hmm. and, yeah. and kick the crap out of him. He looks very bloodied up. Yeah, but that's okay because um, X comes to save the day. Yes. Kills the red-haired man. Yeah, the red-haired man, he, he knocks Mulder out. He's like, okay, the train car is going to blow up. Let me... Very up. legit scene where he's walking away from the blown up train car with Mulder slung over his shoulder. Yeah, but before he does, like the, he opens the car and then immediately mm-hmm. gets gunned down by X. I don't know, again, if that's coincidental yeah. timing or if X was waiting for someone to walk out of there. Maybe. But he walks out sees Mulder again it's a real uh Sophie's choice mm-hmm. here as to who does he pick and he ends up picking Mulder we'll see if that has repercussions because yeah. I'd imagine if he was sent to get the specimen for future experimentation that's yeah. not going to be good exactly um but he saves Mulder it's like a it's like love lives us up yeah they should have played that all. over the final scene there or and uh <laughs> My God. <laughs> but Second face palm of the episode, everyone. X, I'm surprised it's only two. X ends up saving Mulder's life, but we cut to one week later, and essentially all evidence has been wiped off the map. Yep, no the, train car. The train car is MIA at this moment. They probably brought in some of those big-ass extinguishers. Yeah, they don't know where Matheson is. They, they probably buried the train car like they did at the end of season two. Probably. I mean, that's what that train car was. Yeah, and Mulder thinks, okay, even though everything else has gone cold, I still have Zama's briefcase, but it... And the journal have been swapped out. Mm-hmm, which is wild. Also, how did he know that journal was different? And also, the the mass graves have been cleaned mm-hmm. out. It's assumed that after Escalante died, like all the other lepers got killed as well. Yeah, so just, um, you know, that's it. I mean, this is the learning of an X-Files episode. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, Mulder and Scully are like, God damn it! Yeah, exactly, shaking the fist at the sky. Well, this is, we get a change in the tagline in this episode that Scully's going to quote here with apology is policy, basically mm-hmm. saying, the government does what it can to, to cover things up, and when it doesn't, it just apologizes. Well, because she did make a statement earlier in the episode about how the president had just made an apology for something. Mm-hmm. I forget what it is, but so she's basically sort of playing on that a little bit, I think. Yeah, exactly. But Mulder is, of course, irate. He says, I want an apology for the truth. Yeah, Like, same. if they have to apologize for things, why not apologize for things that they actually did? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but we're going to find that while Mulder lost his hands on those journals. Uh, Gurnals. The Gurnals, I apologize. They're going to wind up in much more malevolent hands Mm -hmm. as the cigarette smoking man's got a bit of his groove back after we saw him uh, shot in the groin a bit when it came to the syndicate (laughs) earlier on. (laughs) Now he has this information and he has someone translating Mm -hmm. these journals. Yep, so he's in it. He's back in it. Yeah, so Spencer, to finish things off, he says, uh, the show went almost went an entire mythology arc without showing the smoking (laughs) man, but just snuck him in at the end. I know. He was totally frazzled during the three-parter arc and took uh, L's left and right in failing to recover the MJ files and kill off our protagonist, but he got an easy W in this one, although he didn't have to do much of anything. No. Although the train conductor seemed to be on the level with Mulder during this entire episode, wouldn't it have been more sinister if the conductor had been working for the syndicate all along? Totally. <laughs> it would explain why the wet-haired man didn't put up any fight at all when the conductor pointed Mulder's empty pistol at him. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're supposed to maybe question the um, the train conductor. Like, when you meet him, like, he's, like, very nice, very coy, very, like, oh, I don't know anything. Like, I wonder if you're supposed to question that because, you know, you're supposed to question everything. But I don't know. I'm yeah. fine with I'm I'm happy that he's like a nice guy. <laughs> Just a poor man who had like a tough day. Yeah. So that's the end of this two parter. Should we do like a spook of the week for this whole thing? Yeah. Really feel like this yeah. is like one episode in two um, parts, if it were. Yeah. So spook of the week for me is um it's hard because there's a lot of spook of the weeks, but I'm gonna go with Escalante. Because he was nice very lover. scary in the beginning of the first episode. No, or the second episode. You cannot judge a book by its cover. 
Yeah, no, but you you can get scared by the cover. I'm not going to, uh, this is not necessarily a spook of the week, but I'm going to give a special shout out to the conductor. Oh, yeah, he's good. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> His life got real, real crazy real fast. Exactly. This is sort of like, um, <laughs> the, what, like Al from yes. Die Hard, right? Like he's just mm-hmm. doing normal cop stuff. And then all of a sudden he has to get involved in, all, in an absolutely bananas day. Crazy. This guy has bananas, apples, the whole entire fruit stand. Yeah, really crazy. So next week, Angela, we're going to keep going through season three. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We did a Monster of the Week episode. We just did two mythology episodes. And we're going to come back with a double header of Monster of the Week Mm -hmm. episodes. And we talked about Darren Morgan last week with Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. We're going to talk about what I believe are, if not the last two episodes he writes, at least two of the final episodes Mm -hmm. he writes. We're going to be doing... War of the Corporages? Yeah, I don't know how to say it. Corporages or something? I feel like there's... Is there like a secret prank here where you're just purposely picking out episodes that I'm going to have a tough time pronouncing? No, and I'll say this episode is just... It's... I enjoy it. Like, I... Who cares? I mean, I think that people out there are going to say it's not the best of the best, but it's it's fun. It's, uh, you know, it's a witty banter type thing. I also think it provides a really fun um, view of Mulder and Scully because they're separated Okay, um, through the episode. And it's like a very fun, like, how do they deal with that? Um, and then we're also going to be watching Jose Chung from Outer Space. Yeah. So these are two Monster of the Week episodes yes. written by Darren Morgan. Yes. Which I, they're just fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued by the latter's title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I'm a good title. By, I'm intrigued by the former title because I don't know what a corfer rafer rafer is. Well, I'm is. not going to tell you because it'll give a little bit away. But, no, but we're going to be covering two Monster of the Week episodes yes. this week. I'm assuming they are incredibly different, but yes. still, I think it's going to be a fun break here from a lot of intense mythology stuff. We're really going back and forth because then, spoiler alert, the week after, we're <laughs> yeah, gonna, back we're, into that arc, we're baby. Get the, the Piper Maru d- double episode is with Piper Maru and Apocrypha, and then we'll finish off season three. So we're hump- hopping ahead a bit, right? We're doing episode yes. twelve and episode twenty, and then the week after, we're going back to fifteen and sixteen. So we're yeah. not. Don't worry, just because we're going to 20 doesn't mean we're, like, done with season three. No, we just wanted to group the Monster of the Week ones together because they tend to be a little lighter, a little easier to talk about from a perspective of podcasting. Exactly. So we'll be podcasting next week about those two episodes. In the meantime, if you have any thoughts about Nietzsche and 731, that doubleheader, or any thoughts about the two episodes we're about to watch, of course, you can always email us. Uh, bloomfiles at postshowrecaps.com or xfiles at postshowrecaps.com whatever you fancy special thanks to people like spencer and fitzy and a bunch of others uh craig who sent me a really disturbing picture of the worm man from an episode oh, yeah, that we didn't the watch. host <laughs> that oh, that thing looks so freaky i'm so glad we didn't have to watch that episode but yeah it's a, it's an okay episode but it's it's definitely disgusting yeah so i mean let us know all your thoughts about all things x-files especially with the episodes to come you can always tweet us as well angela is at angpelagi i'm at a mike bloom type and of course we are at post show recaps uh, and you know what if, if you want to support us even further and you want to tuck into stuff more secretive and more uh prolific than the x-files themselves we have a whole bevy of of uh you know advantages to becoming a patron of post show recaps you can go to patreon.com slash post show recaps and you can uh, submit your pledge at five ten or fifteen dollars ten dollars specifically will get you access to the discord where we have journals upon journals of wacky hijinks, sorry, gurnals going on uh, between D&D, between the Wario Casino, between Brant Steels. There is so much going on 
there's a whole railroad, I suppose, of shenanigans going on on the Poster Recaps Discord. It's it's the beginning of the month, so you really get your money's worth since uh, Patreon uh, sort of re-ups everyone's memberships at the beginning of every month. So make sure if this incentivizes you to, to get in on the ground floor here. Again, patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. So that's going to do it for this week on the Bloom Files. Again, next week we are covering a season three, episode 12, War of the... We'll look it up. We'll look it up. And season three, episode 20, (laughs) Jose Chung from Outer Space. Very excited to hop off this train and onto a next one that's probably going to go barreling off the rails as well in true X-Files fashion. Special thanks to Corey B, who keeps everything on rails with his fantastic theme song. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk next week. But until then, case closed. Bye.